Coming to you live from high atop a national monument, looking out over America and the world, it is the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I am Jeff, and this is Richard. Hello. And this is Michael. Howdy. And we're coming back, ain't we, guys? We're back. Ah, it's great to get the, all that furloughed money right, rolling right in. Yeah. Our paychecks are finally... Bank account is right back. We're allowed to open the Mount Rushmore National Monument again, yes. and we're allowed to all, rank things again. All <sighs> things that are themed after state-funded uh, uh, monuments are actual state-funded podcasts, which is what we are. It was um, tough to uh, not be paid to rank things. Yeah. Um, ever since we've ever started this podcast. Never, so never, it's been never, three years. <laughs> never it's been tough for that long, too. As well as the past month, it's been tough for the 35 yeah. other months. Well, you know, it was cool that in, in, in lieu of pay, we just worked and still did this podcast, and we're still working because we're... At some point, the pay is going to come. At some point, it's going to come in. We are the heroes. We're the heroes. We are the heroes, and you know what? We're, we, we have a, our own solo path. We walk our own path because we are lone wolf heroes, which is the Ooh. subject... Oh, do you hear that? All those wolves alone. They're all calling out to each other because they don't want to be alone. Or maybe they do. They just want to say hello. Um, I'm alone. I'm, I'm ready to piss on piss on my territory to market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, why I'm, that's why I just peed in your garage. Oh, God. Your I was garage. wondering what the motivation was. Okay, so the, the category, the subject for this episode's Mount Rushmore is the Mount Rushmore of Lone Wolves. And I chose it because uh, I'm not a lone wolf. I'm somebody who is very socially interdependent on interaction. I'm always uh, going out and trying to ingratiate myself with people and hang out with people and get them to like me in some way. So I kind of respect that lone wolf uh, individual or character or thing in literature or in life or whatever. And so that is the subject of this episode's podcast and the lonest wolf, eeny, meeny, miny, Richard, is going to start. All right. So my first choice is Omar Little. Omar's coming. Oh, wow. From uh, The Wire. The Wire, okay. Um, incredible character, um, played by Michael K. Williams. One of the, uh, I think, most enduring characters from the show. Someone who is a was basically a, a stick-up man in Baltimore. It, but his MO is that he would rob uh, drug dealers. Wouldn't rob civilians, as he would call them, um, but would only rob the uh, bad guys. Very Robin Hoodish. Yeah, very Robin, Robin the Hood. Do you feel like this is a leftover, Michael? This is like a leftover from Robin Hood. I don't know. I've never seen The Wire. So oh, okay. Michael. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, yeah, I'm you're the one, the one. I'm the one white forty-year-old male that has never seen The Wire. But the whole Wire is about this network of cops. And cops. Drug it's dealers. in Baltimore, and it's basically about sort of how the underworld works and yeah. how. How the drug, the drug trade specifically, sort of touches every part of life yeah. in Baltimore, from politics to the newspaper to mm-hmm. the docks to everywhere. Yeah, and Omar is oh, basically not the docks. Yeah, oh. even even the docks. Oh. Um, and Omar has is he's this guy who has this he's a he's kind of does it on his own way, does things his own way. He's got his own moral code that he sticks by. You know, he takes his grandmother to church every Sunday. Yeah, so he. But he's not Robin Hood because he's doing this for himself. I mean, yeah. he's doing this to get money. Mm-hmm. And he's very ruthless at what he does. Yeah. And he's also very meticulous in planning and the execution of these things. But he's a violent thug. He just happens to be a violent thug who has decided to focus all of his tendencies yeah. toward other bad guys. Okay. And I just think that that's – he's just such a fascinating character. 
And they've sort they sort of showed throughout the course of the series that anytime someone kind of got close to him, they wound up getting hurt because mm. he's just somebody who has a big target on him because all of the drug dealers know, hey, he's a guy who basically just walk up to you and rob from you. Does he push them away or does just the association? Oh, I just mean physically getting hurt. <laughs> this, this was not a. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was not a, a metaphor. I meant like getting killed or getting. No, 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 no. I know. But I mean, just like. Does. Uh, how can I rephrase that? In is, Spanish. Is, is, yeah. is, is donde está la biblioteca? <laughs> S-N-L uh, Mercado. S-N-L Baño. <laughs> um, no, does he, does he welcome people into his life or are just mm. the people in his life taken from him because of his life? I think it's more the latter than the former. Mm. I mean, he's portrayed as a gay man, mm-hmm. um, which is also, you know, an interesting choice in this kind of very male macho kind of world that he kind of sets him apart from everybody else. Um, and he winds up getting, he winds up getting murdered by like a 10 year old kid. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler sure. alert, oh, everybody. Spoiler alert. People haven't had time to see the wire. Yeah. But at this point, I think the yeah. statute of limitations have expi- has expired. Do you think he shares oh, something the statue in common? Expired. Oh shit. Who carved that limited <laughs> statue? I, I it's made out of butter. I love the commonalities between these guys. And some lone wolves are like wounded by some previous thing, or they have some kind of backstory. That's the reason that they went out on their own. It seems like uh, every buddy cop film starts off with somebody who's a lone wolf who's kind of forced to partner up with somebody else. Sure. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Does he have that in his backstory? <sighs> Not so much. I mean, there are times where he partners with people. Mm-hmm. That he that he kind of has to, yeah. Um, but it's certainly not as not as prevalent as as he's not Dirty Harry. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, cool, good start. Omar from the Wire, Michael. Uh, my first start is Ted Kaczynski, the Una Bomber. Also, wow. oh, I'm sorry, the Una Bomber. Also on my list. Oh, great, so. a historical. Okay, okay. Uh, what I didn't realize was that he wasn't like a as of like his being caught in 1996 he had been unibombing for a long time oh yeah since like 1978 oh i didn't realize it had gone on for nearly 20 years well if you would have looked at his linkedin you would have seen (laughs) his 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 work record went to harvard and then also Uh unibombing 78 to 95 oh but like i guess that was just my being youthful Mm -hmm. and only really kind of you know he kind of reemerged into the popular zeitgeist after he kind of published his, they, they caught that like crazy manifesto published. Mm-hmm. And of course that was the thing that led to his ultimate capture. Well, you say it's crazy. Okay. Um, you also just heard about the Ramones when their best of album came out. Oh, it's Jesus. so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their first song, uh, let's Barp. Okay, so uh, but no, the the point being that he had been a fugitive from the law and the FBI for a long time before he was ultimately caught, and ultimately caught because he had this big thing that he forced to be published. He mm-hmm. kind of ransomed, yeah, kind of America in, in a way, the national media, yeah, and then of course within a year, his brother helped turn him in, and yeah. it was like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is the guy. That's all the shit my brother says at Christmas. <laughs> But this yeah. is in that manifesto. That was, that was in his. Uh, that was in his like holiday letter to yeah, the family. I think that's Ted. 
Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he, this was a person that had his his lone wolfismness mm-hmm. was self-imposed. He kind of saw the ills of society. He kind of started yeah. to reject, you know, he started to reject society and for all of its ills. Mm-hmm. Uh, the published manifesto was called um, Industrial Society and Its Future. And it was all about kind of the consequences and disasters of mankind. And there's a certain liberal liberalism, no, liber, libertarianism mm-hmm. that you feel like is all up in that. Yeah. That kind of forces a person into this life of being one with wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we talked about bunkers on one episode. This guy's a total bunker guy. Yeah. And these are a self-imposed lone wolfism. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like maybe it was a personality trait that eventually developed, but this seems like totally brought upon himself. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would have been a guest on the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> He's still alive. So let's ask him. Owner, Skype in. Well, there's the militia, the people who are trying to get away from um, the, the posse cumitatis kind of people who are trying to get away from the civilization that we know. Mm-hmm. And then, live independently, live, live off the grid, but also they were living in a community. Mm. Or we think of other religious sects and things that That's li- live in a remove from those others. Yeah, cult you, of lone wolfism. Do you think he knew that his uh, illegal activity would also uh, be more visible if he was in the mainstream society? Do you think it was probably easier for him to do stuff in a cabin in the woods? Oh, for sure. I mean, eventually they auctioned off all that stuff and you know they i guess it's like i was uh over the holidays emily and i and felix went to indiana and at some point we were in just in kind of the middle of indiana in like bloomington which is like an hour south of indianapolis Mm -hmm. which is you know their major metropolis and we were driving from a friend's house back through some country roads and i said to her i was like oh you could do some murders out here and it wasn't like too far off like a road it yeah. just felt very different from growing up in suburbia and growing mm-hmm. up in like a major city. So someone that's living out in the middle of, was it Montana? No. Yeah, Montana. Montana. Were you cleaning it, a pistol at the time or not. sharpening a, a machete? <laughs> it was one of those hooks, those yeah. giant yeah. hooks oh, yeah. oh, and a yeah. chain. Oh, yeah. Like like the, the <laughs> like wall is covered with them over here. But like the distance between people and the isolation just in a relatively populated yeah. area like that versus – when you're just out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And obviously this guy did for nearly 20 years mm-hmm. was send bombs through the mail. Yeah. Richard, why is he on your... Uh, kind of the same reasons. I mean, look, he might be crazy, but you got to admire his fortitude. Mm-hmm. He stuck with this. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys would have given up after, you know, five years. Your regular f- serial killer would have done it for the attention sooner. Or they would have, he, they, he, you know, a, a normal person, someone without his, you know, Ted Kaczynski's uh, intellect. He's a smart, smart. He was a Harvard grad. Well, he writer. was a Harvard grad, and also just his 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 well, willingness to persevere would have said after five years of these bombs going off and nobody getting the point, mm-hmm. I'm done, or I'm going to switch to something else. Maybe instead of bombs, it's going to be. Candy. Candy. Yeah. yeah, maybe it can be candy grams. Artisanal soaps. But he believed <laughs> he believed in what he was yeah. he believed in his message. Yeah. And he believed in the method <laughs> the method message was getting out there. Yeah. 
you know, I wish I could be that. I wish I could be that focused in my job search, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, seriously. One of the one of the things I did want to point out is that he was involved in this really fucked up, uh, like experiment in college, where basically someone came in and, and yelled at him and belittled him for like an hour every week, and then they would show, they would replay video of him getting yelled at, and he'd have to sit there and watch it. And this went on for most of his time at Harvard. He was part wow. of this like study. And if that doesn't turn you a little, make you think that maybe society and organizations mm-hmm. are not exactly hmm. the best for you, I don't know what would. Wow. You sure it wasn't just like a German or Russian class that he took? <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was being belittled. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, that's a two. That's a that's a commonality one. Okay. Cool. So, um, what is your second, Michael? Uh, my second, also a guy that lives off the grid, but this is uh, definitely not necessarily self-imposed, but just how he was brought up. Crocodile Mick Dundee. Oh my God. Or is it Mick Crocodile nice. Dundee? I don't know. I either Mac, way. I think. I think it's Mac. I think he's actually Scottish. This is the Paul Hogan character. This is a fictitious yes. character. A okay, fictitious okay. character. Because we're not. It's not. It's not Steve. We're in the Croc Hunter. That's right. Okay. Okay. Because he had a family. Yeah. And then um, they went on to pursue uh, doing exactly what Daddy did. Yeah. Which seems very interesting and scary to me. But the character of Crocodile Dundee is this kind of famous loner who kind yeah. of you know quote goes walk about and mm-hmm. you know trundles through the outback <laughs> of australia which paul hogan knew that he was he's in some rarefied air here <laughs> with the Unabomber. <laughs> uh he's ultimately very charming and is a life that has built on living with the aboriginal people of australia along with the other drunks at yeah. the local watering hole yeah but he seems to be a person that kind of comes in and out of their town and their life. And although a lot of it seems to be for as like a tourist trap, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience in society in general mm-hmm. or dealing with a lot of people or dealing with technology or dealing with yeah anything. Shayla's not dealing with Shayla's. <laughs> so uh, it's ridiculous to have this sort of pick immediately following like a very serious murderer <laughs> as a guy who just like, you know, an actor that fake skins. You know that that alligator. Did Paul Hogan crocodiles. start that as like a? It was a. He was almost like a weekend update character on a news. He was a comedic character on a news show or something like that. Where it was a. You he, you've obviously listened to the uh, <laughs> the Paul Hogan audiobook more Hogan than I have. Well, he was an editor. I think he would give editorials as this Australian construction worker, and he would. It was a bit of satire in that say. Um, uh, Ricky Bobby, you know the character yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I- I- from Will Ferrell. You're saying it was like like Aunt Blabby. Yeah, well, he was like um, I don't know Aunt Blabby from uh, what, what, what's his name, uh, Jonathan Winters. Oh, okay, yeah, it, he was. I think he was a Paul Hogan is a was actually I think a construction worker or something like that. But he was also very had a sense of humor and was doing this broad broad character. Hmm. And, is um, Adam Carolla? You know what? You know what he? You know what yeah. he constructed? Crocodiles. Crocodiles. He made yeah. crocodiles. But I think that character started as a bit of satire, and he would do guest spots on the news mm. in this character. Oh, that's interesting. As this archetypal regional 
Australian character, and uh, but one who was able to uh, say the things that people the the truths that people needed to hear and, and in this broad broad character but yeah what he was an outsider in that some of his opinions were kind of satirical and maybe mm. uh, non-pc yeah for that time so i i like funny. i like a character that uh is outside of society that comes into it and is just like perplexed by it yeah and then ultimately you know and Crocodile Dundee, too, is forced to go on the lamb again <laughs> and evade a drug cartel, as we've all yeah. we've all done it. It's a happen. It's a natural flow we've of just life. Naturally, yeah. Gone. Maybe Omar was after him. I so, don't know. So maybe actually, he he created the character for a series of Fosters or a oh, character very that? similar oh, okay. for Fosters ads that he was mm-hmm. doing in the UK. Okay, where he was this sort of fish out of water in in England, this ah. like very Monty Python Bruce kind of character. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I never saw Crocodile Dundee goes to Hollywood, so but that's yeah. next on my list, I guess, to watch. I feel like he and uh, um, the uh, Vern character should have had a versus film <laughs> or something like that, like an Alien versus an Predator, versus except <laughs> stupid. That yeah. one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the great team ups of like 1989. Yeah, no one wants. I don't want to see Freddie and Jason anymore. I no, see Paul Hogan and <laughs> Pee Wee Herman and yeah. Yeah, can we get Bobcat Goldthwait involved? Yeah, <laughs> the ghost of Jim Varney and the cracked shell of Paul Hogan. <laughs> Ernest goes to Australia, <laughs> confronts, <laughs> writes itself, doesn't it? Well, I guess that uh, brings us to our halftime, and at this point, we have the opportunity to implore you to uh, don't be a lone wolf. Uh, Join the masses of people who are running, uh, sprinting to the iTunes, to Stitcher, to iHeartRadio, and listening to past episodes of the Mount Rushmore podcast. They're rating and reviewing. Uh, I want to thank a new listener uh, named Cameron Stell, who told me that she listened to some episodes of our podcast recently. Awesome. And she said normally she listens to like murder podcasts. So I think we maybe start adding some more murder to this one. Yeah, that, that, that's something I was going to save for for a future episode. But yes, at one point this season, one of us will be murdered. Yes. Oh, that, oh this is But problem. which one? That's <laughs> the question. Finally, our audience is excited. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So uh, we appreciate Cameron, you coming on board. And if uh, you, Cameron, or you, any other listener, would download, rate, and review any previous episodes, it would help other potential listeners find our podcast and i would appreciate that and so would richard and michael and we'd also appreciate if you support other podcasts which you probably do because you certainly didn't find ours first <laughs> and <laughs> you can do can that you imagine <laughs> if, <laughs> then they decide nope we, i don't like podcasts well, just like if you're like i need to give this podcast thing a, a listen hmm, i've been hearing a lot about it let's see what am i into randomly gonna select one in it oh no this is Pod- what they've been doing podcasts are the worst uh well you could maybe support <laughs> this podcast hi I'm Jay, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, This Zenial Life. It's a weekly short burst of stories, insights, health and wellness tips, and more from a Zenial who is still a work in progress. Go to thiszenialife.wordpress.com for details. Listen to This Zenial Life today. And... We are back, but we want to, before we get into our third and fourth choices, invite you to support our social dialogue. 
on Facebook, we're asking people like yourself, what kind of topics you'd love to hear us uh, rate, rate or rank? Now that we're back off furlough, uh, you could also, uh, we're getting back onto the Instagram, back on Twitter. So if you want to join us and get in the dialogue in those uh, social platforms, that would be cool too. Lone Wolves, the third category, the third choice. It's a lone cat. Oh, kitty. Cute. Richard, oh, and now it just got eaten by the lone oh, wolf. Oh, the lone wolf. <laughs> Chewed on his prey. What, what, he can, he can, he's a lone wolf. He can't just go to Ralph's and buy like some wolf food. Exactly. <laughs> what do wolves eat at the store? They probably would eat. I'm going to go to the deli section first, get some fried chicken. What would you... Probably not. If I was a wolf? Oh, yeah. Fried chicken would be pretty good. And you got bones, so you get a lot of good marrow. Go, go to the frozen food. Get a 25-pound... Uh, Butterball, I think when this thaws out, this is going to be a great meal. (laughs) I am so set. What's your third, Richard? My third is The Man with No Name from the Dollars trilogy um, as played by Clint Eastwood. Oh, shoot. Okay. Are you thinking of a different Man with No Name from the Dollars trilogy? There is another Clint Eastwood character named Harry Callahan who was chosen by... Our one of our listeners, and that listener was Evan Block. Evan oh, really? Block submitted a Rushmore of Lone Wolves, and Evan Block chose a dirty. Evan Block is a lone. Evan no, Block should be on the Rushmore of Lone Wolves. That would have been wolf. a stellar pick by yeah. any of us. But in the fourth place category, you Harry, go, you Harry go, Callen. Evan. Yeah, he got in, uh, he's in four movies. So, but uh, the man with no name is in how many films? Three. Three. It's okay. a trilogy. Um, so it's a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more than the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, the iconic... What was that guy's name again? Exactly. Yeah. Um, an a- iconic Western character. Uh, perhaps the most iconic of any major, yeah. you, know, you know, post-John Wayne mm-hmm. character. And someone who, throughout the course of the movies, actually talks less and less. That was something that Eastwood sort of pitched to uh, Sergio Leone, just like, I shouldn't be talking as much. I should be talking as little as possible to keep this kind of mystery of who he is out there. That's just a movie star move. I want to get more money, (laughs) but I want to have less lines, and I'm going to do less. Yeah. He does all of his acting by squints. (laughs) Yeah, the first one where he read the... uh, Jabberwocky poem uh, that was like so <laughs> such a long scene. <laughs> it was a weird was, shootout. Uh, yeah. It was a weird shootout. <laughs> um, and and actually, each movie they mention his name at some point, but he has a different name in each one. So oh, it sort right? of becomes like this sort of nobody knows his real name oh. sort of vibe. Lazy screenwriting. That is lazy. Just fill it in. What's his name? A, a Dirk. Bl- Dirk Blank Gernford Gern Blanston Yeah Yeah but it's <laughs> This is this Yeah but movies. it was all like Giuseppe and all this yeah. stuff like that <laughs> This is before movies had like the uh, continuity uh, uh, yeah. people that ran around just wrote things down like oh no it was in his the gun was in his left hand the wind, the whip was in yeah. his right it was just like what was the, uh, what, what was the main character's name? name I don't know Todd Todd Flankles yeah. Dean Was it Trevor Yeah Trevor Fringenberg I don't know Okay, so what did you? What made you pick this? You know, authors of westerns are known for these individualist right. characters. So and- I was actually thinking about westerns in general when I made this pick. Okay, because I, to your point, I think westerns are sort of em- emblematic of this the the lone wolf character. You know, the guy who rides into the town with the uh, sagebrush rattling yeah. behind him, and kind of is their job is there to 
take clean up the town and then yeah. move on somewhere else. Yeah, often it's a occupational hazard when you shoot people for living. <laughs> right, end up by yourself at the end. Yeah. Uh, do you think he uh, Eastwood was just kind of looking for a job, or do you think he was interested in carrying on in this tradition, kind of established by Hawks and Ford and Wayne and and all, uh, Gary Cooper? Uh, I always wonder how much he was uh, steeped in Western lore or even samurai lore or any all those things. That he... Oh, sure, because he's based off of a, a Kurosawa character. Yeah. So He's like Mifune, essentially. Basically, of... but like the Western version, the yeah. Western by way of Rome. Yeah, and Kurosawa but... was analyzing the Howard Hawks, John Ford Westerns. Right, so it's yeah. sort of a, a meta. It's very meta yeah. that it's sort of a take on a take. Yeah. Do... Uh, do you think Eastwood, essentially, because Evan Block, a, a listener of the podcast and a gentleman who suggested him at Rushmore, which I'll read, uh, he suggested Harry Callahan, which is a guy who says, says pretty little himself. You know, usually if he's saying Wait, something... Wait, there's a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> if Usually if he's saying something, he's about to shoot you. Uh, right. So uh, do, you, do you think that is something that... Um, Essentially, Eastwood is kind of playing the same guy with a different suit on. <laughs> yeah, he is basically. It's different, just a slightly diff- different era. And like you said, yeah, a, a, trading a poncho for a, a '70s sport blazer. Yeah, basically. I don't. I don't remember the films. Does he have uh, flings? Does he have women who come through his life like Bond and they die after the first reel? I'd have to think okay. about it because sometimes those guys. Um, He's they, got Eli Wallach. Does yeah, that count? Does that count as a love interest? Cool. Okay, cool choice. Cool choice, Michael. I've got another tough guy. Is it me? It's not you. Oh, okay. You're the toughest guy. That's true. Uh, John Rambo. John Rambo. Awesome choice. From the Rambo uh, movie. Now it's entering, as of coming up this year, it's fifth entry is coming out. They're making another one? They're making Rambo Last Blood. Because, of course. You start with First Blood. You got to eventually get First Blood Part 2. Yeah. First Blood Part 3, Secret of the Ooze. (laughs) Right. First Blood Part 4, Rambo Goes Hawaiian, and then, you know, Rambo, Last Blood. Does he mentor the child, the offspring of somebody he shot in the first (laughs) film in this one? I don't know, but I think that there is a very interesting thing that happened with the first movie, and it kind of went off the rails with Rambo 2 and 3. In the first one, they were really kind of analyzing the... You know, the POW, the Vietnam War soldier that came back and felt abandoned. Yeah. That he is, that was this person that was kind of traveling from town to town. He uh, went to go visit a friend and discovered that uh, he was dead, died Mm -hmm. of Agent Orange poisoning. Yeah. And was kind of moving through uh, Washington State and came across a small town and. The sheriff there started hassling him and yada, 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 you know, big guns, explosions, machine guns, things blow up. And eventually he's like, the end of the movie is really sad. He's driven to tears being like, look at all the things that the American soldiers have done Mm -hmm. and you treat us like shit. Yeah. And gets arrested. Mm -hmm. The second movie starts with him being under arrest or for a few years being in prison, being let out to go be sent on like a solo Mission. Yeah. And yada, yada, yada. Things blow up, blah, 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 blah. Um, But he, and even in the second one, um, he goes off and it's kind of like this weird setup mission where like this uh, politician kind of is like, 
we'll send him to rescue these POWs, but uh, we're kind of just doing this to save face. We don't yeah. really, we think he's going to die. We don't really want to spend the money to do it. And then mm-hmm. he comes back and is another heartfelt, mm-hmm. you don't give a shit about us yeah. sort of thing. And I think it, and then the senator pulls out like a submachine gun and starts firing <laughs> more explosions, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the third one, a little bit the same. He, again, retreats away from like modern life. He retreats to like Thailand and becomes like a guy that fights people. Yeah. And then, of course, the U.S. military comes knocking again. Mm-hmm. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, we need your help to do some shit. Can you help us out? And I like... I. I'm interested in that trope of this person that keeps getting called back to duty. Yeah. Even though all they want to do is be away from everyone. They've, yeah. They've served and all, and they're done with it, but then something keeps calling them back. Like share. I feel like <laughs> Rambo is a lot like share. Like uh, skin our, our skin level one. is about uh, skin <laughs> yeah. quality is about yeah. the same, but I don't know. There's a, the kind of society has pushed him away or, you know, militarized society has pushed him away, mm-hmm. but then militarized society keeps pulling uh-huh. him back. And I think that's pretty interesting. And, you know, I don't know a lot of veterans. I don't know a lot of people that have served in the military, you know, quite frankly, where we kind of exist in this weird middle generation that didn't really have a war to fight in. Yeah. You know, like by the time the first desert storm started, I was in junior high. I was, I was, I would have not been Dodging the, first the draft. Wait <laughs> yeah. a second, Jeff. Uh, but no, like I, it's no. interesting to think of like by the time that the Iraq war started, I was kind of in my twenties, but out of college. And like, I didn't, I wasn't really into, that wasn't my thing. I wasn't, that wasn't like a headspace for me. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of us are kind of in this, we weren't old enough for the Vietnam war. We weren't really yeah. young enough to be in Afghanistan in the second Iraq war. And it's just like, it's strange to think of there are people that, that's what culture has bred from, you know, the First World War to uh, the Korean War to Vietnam. There was a war every mm-hmm. 10 years. And so there were always – there are generations of people that, like, you are forgotten. Or, especially Vietnam. That's a, a weird one because, like, you know, World War II is this, the great noble war that you fought in. Mm-hmm. And then Vietnam is like, that's eh, a, you guys. That's well. kind of a whole subgenre, I think, of, in a way, the Mifuni character, uh, a warrior without a war. Or a warrior who's uh, who no longer needed, no longer needed, mm. and so he is like a boxer, like Tyson outside the ring. Where, where is his violence? <laughs> where is his stre- Where is his uh, his skill for uh, for for dealing out death? Where is that to be employed? And uh, I, I, exactly what you're talking about. I had no understanding of Stallone's actually depth of analysis for that character until I read an interview in in the interview magazine where he talked about the the how uh, non-vets were treated and and the profile that it created for these individuals who were who came home to a world that did not value them and yeah. did not salute you know appreciate their efforts and, and the, the 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 psychological toll that death in Vietnam took took on them so yeah that's a cool Profile, so that is a neat idea. Like the warrior, because uh, think of like um, was uh, the man with no name. He wasn't necessarily in fighting a war or anything like that, but he's somebody who was like like Omar Little, trying to uh, find his way in life on the fringes. Right. Yeah. Cool. 
What do you got, Richard? All right. So my la- my last choice is uh, Steve Williams, otherwise known to wrestling fans by his uh, his uh, alter ego, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh wow. Um, Stone Cold when he first came to w- then WWF, I guess back in the ninety was it ninety seven something like that. Um, someone's gonna we'll correct some some wrestling nerd. Some wrestling nerd will be like, oh, actually, it was, was nineteen ninety five, and he was a wrestling nerd a few years before that. Whenever it was, it was exactly. mid nineties. Like every every wrestling. They fan sell they sell like Janet Janice from <laughs> the Doctor Tonga Teeth. <laughs> like, well, well, you know, I told her I wouldn't pose nude, even if it was artistic. <laughs> um, no, he, he originally was given this this his nickname was the Ringmaster. Oh. Which is about as lame of a Did nickname he have a as you brush? think possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the shaved head, they thought he was Mr. Clean for a while. And no, that's before he had the shaved head. Um, and so they decided to give him, uh, try to change his, his uh, character and who he was. So they gave him a list of names that was inspired by this hitman, Richard uh, Kuklinski, who was this really infamous like mob hitman. Uh, they did a movie with Michael Shannon about him a few oh, years yeah. ago. He was like basically had this Ice Man. Yeah, the yeah. Ice Man, exactly. Yeah. Where he had this normal home, very normal kind of home life. You know, it, they had convinced his wife he'd worked this nine to five job, and in actuality, he was this like just, you know, straight up contract killer, mm-hmm. murdered hundreds of people. So they gave him a name of a list of names inspired by him, including Otto von Ruthless, <laughs> Ice Dagger. Ooh, okay. Fang McFrost and Chili McFreeze. <laughs> this sell like this is, Rankin and Bass holiday I, special. Yes. <laughs> I've seen um I have seen Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he says all of these things in one sentence. <laughs> chili McFreeze. <laughs> I'm going to go to Dairy Queen and get a chili McFreeze. Um so he decided to come up with his own name and how he got it was this is a this is such a stupid story, but I. But you I, know the story, right? I, I enjoy it. Yeah, that basically silly. his wife had made him tea, and he was dithering around somewhere, and his wife called him and said, you "Better come in here and get your tea. It's going to turn stone cold." Wow! Boom! That's where he got the idea for the name. Could have been wow. rosemary mint. <laughs> Could have been sleepy time. Steve, sleepy time, Austin. <laughs> Listen, Darjeeling. That'd be funny. Oh wow! So he got that. I heard. I heard Billy Ray Cyrus said something like, "That's how we got achy breaky hard" or something like. Oh really? I forget what somebody somebody started quoting the lyrics to him. Something. Oh dear. Yeah. No. So th- that's how he got the name, and the persona kind of came from this, like, like what would the persona be of this like psychopathic hitman yeah. type character, basically, mm-hmm. who wound up turning into the greatest antihero. Of wrestling in wrestling history, yeah. Um, and you're always anti McVince McMahon. Like that. Yeah, it, that was the sort of the feud that launched him okay. from being popular to arguably being more popular than Hulk Hogan was in his prime. Oh, okay. Was this sort of anti-authority, uh, anti-Vince McMahon, who had just been kind of outed as the pre- the head of owner of WWF yeah. at the time, um, and basically the whole thing worked because he was this anti-establishment loner whose whole persona was rebelling against his boss and wouldn't be wouldn't you like to do that to your boss oh yeah wouldn't you like to pit your boss in the head with a steel chair mm-hmm. 
And that was basically... We're trying to get you to say this on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Jeff Hopkins, would you like to hit your boss on the head? My boss doesn't listen to this podcast, but I wouldn't want we to. We almost got him in the truck. <laughs> Damn it. We almost got him on, 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 on tape. tape. He's right. a trained performer, so he probably would take a hit pretty good. So, yeah, do a roll. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's a great character. I love that, that. It's funny. There's something very Letterman-esque about that because Letterman positioned himself as this underdog against the network that he was on at any or time. GE or whoever yeah, yeah. happened to own NBC at the yeah. time. And I think with Stone Cold Steve Austin, in terms of being a lone wolf, he wasn't someone who had constant tag team partners or people that he, you know, you, you think of that wrestling in that era, you had like Degeneration X mm-hmm. or the NWO or these like kind of cliques and groups of yeah. the four horsemen. He was always a reluctant tag team partner. You never knew if, at any point in the match, he might – he didn't really get along with anybody. So mm-hmm. there's possible and most probable that at some point he would also drop a Stone Cold Stunner on, let's say, Mankind. Right. That he happened to have been time t- teamed up with that particular week, and then there's everyone a, cheers uh, for that because, oh – that's what Stone Cold that's does. What that's does. what he does. Mm-hmm. It's like getting excited for a toddler, throwing a fit, and you think it's very cute. Oh, yeah. look. That's so cute. Yeah. It's not cute when you're in Bed Bath & Beyond and you're dragging him through the store today. Not that that happened today, but that is exactly what happened today. Did you try hitting your son with a Stone Cold Stunner? I did not. He just kept wanting to see uh, Cars and Trains. Ah. Cars and Trains. And we're like, we're at Bed Bath & Beyond. We've got pots and pans. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like Cars and Trains. And it was just like, hmm. smell this candle. Doesn't it smell like waffles? <laughs> Choo-choo goes the candle. <laughs> so uh, unlike... That wasn't the Rock kind of like the people's champion. He was quote unquote the people's champ, yeah. but he was interesting because he was an egotistical dick. Was basically yeah. even when he was a good guy. Yeah, that his, was that, kind of his character. His, char- his character was that I'm just better than you, and I wear like awful clothing. I wear a lot of silk per- silk flor- floral print uh-huh. shirts with like one button too far down. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, what a strange character to be quote over i think he wore a lot of bowling type shirts too eventually though oh i bumped a microphone eventually you have to if you are in league with vince mcmahon and the Mm -hmm. authority and whoever the easiest way to turn face to become a good guy is you know kick them in the face kick them in the balls and then you're just like oh yeah uh, we like you now okay all of a sudden it's just like oh Hmm. or if you're aligned with them and then they screw you over for something bigger and better that's very easy to oh. just be like oh oh yes they can do that to anybody even that's even if they're that's aligned yeah. Yeah. what's your last one michael uh, listen guys i want to end this on a high note i didn't know i was going to be last but that's i'm not i'm happy that i'm last uh, a children's book by bill pete called kermit the hermit <laughs> this is a book that came out in 1965 if you don't know bill pete as an artist you might know him as a uh, moss creator, <laughs> an, <laughs> an an animation marveloso. He did a whole bunch of Disney animation in oh. the uh, '60s, from Sword in the Stone to uh, I think he was uh, heavily involved in the Jungle Book. He, oh, worked, right. he did a lot of animation. I don't know if he was an animator, an animator directly or an animation director, mm-hmm. but eventually he kind of broke from Disney and wrote. A number of children's books from the kind of mid 60s into the 80s or 90s and one of my favorites and one of the things that i immediately thought of was a book called kermit the hermit which was about a hermit crab 
who is a bit of a loner, mm-hmm. who is a person, a, a, a crab in the Monterey Bay who just collects things, just yeah. takes things that he finds on the bottom of the ocean and stashes them in his little hermit hole, like little treasures mm-hmm. and whatever, just mean, just, <laughs> you know, just a person that pulls back from yeah. society. Yeah. Uh, and he eventually gets to a point where he's kind of saved by this little boy, like a dog's chasing him or something. Mm-hmm. And the little boy saves him. And he realizes that there's something more in this world than yeah. just holding on to all these little treasures himself. And he mm-hmm. ends up helping the boy out. Blah, blah, blah. That's blah, adorable. Blah. But I, I like the idea of the lone wolf being saved by something. Yeah. By the lone wolf understanding that he's not alone, that he, there is something bigger than him in yeah. society. And so many of these cases that we've talked about, whether it's Ted Kaczynski who murdered, who literally murdered people who yeah. went on to decry society in general to Rambo, who was someone who was, a you know, who was himself rejected by society mm-hmm. and people of his like to, well, you know, crocodile daddy, whatever. Yeah. But like, but Kermit the Hermit was uh, just a delightful story about, finding out that there's like a bigger world mm-hmm. than your personal yeah world yeah wow that's cool well cool choices um i want to uh thank you guys for uh, giving such thoughtful uh well uh pointed um choices and i want to thank evan block uh podcast listener for giving us his choices and they were um frank in thief the james con uh performance of a michael mann film from 1981 and uh, he's a safe cracker who does a job for the mob, who they have other plans for him. Snake Plissken, another 1981 film. Oh, that's film. a good one. That was on my research was tab. It? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I love that these guys are kind of these reluctant. Um, these guys get pulled into one last job or, you know, it's, yeah. it's they do it or they go to jail or they do it or they know they're going to get killed. Actually, he actually had Jack Burton on there. I take that oh, back. Oh, he did? Okay. But it's pretty much the same character. Yeah. Big trouble character. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I had initially written down um, every Nicolas Cage role, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I didn't use any of them because I was yeah. like, I don't know if this is actually. That's funny. And usually in the trailer, he says, if we're doing this, we're doing it my way. <laughs> and he is alone. Yeah, totally. Uh, Max Rokitansky from oh, the yeah. Mad Max series, which is funny because when you said, uh, I think in Beyond Thunderdome, when he enters the Thunderdome to compete, the MC in this cabaret-esque type of environment um, doesn't know who this last minute entry is uh, and says he's bad, he's beautiful, he's crazy, he's the man with no name, <laughs> which harkens back to, yeah. to, uh, to man with Eastwood. No name, yep. right. uh, Evan's fourth choice was uh, Dirty Harry, uh, or sorry, the Harry Callahan character, a.k.a. Dirty Harry and Dirty Harry, Magnet Force, Sudden impact in the Deadpool. So that was good. That's a better list than either of ours, Michael. Well, they're cinematic. You know, you guys picked uh, real people and and literary people. uh, Cartoon hermit crabs. Hermit crabs. Okay, so let's see what that gets us. Um, So in this new era of scoring, often point values are attached to uh, choices based on their order. Uh, But then it gets kind of weird when somebody's one is also somebody else's two or whatever. But... um, Let's go with, um, I want to go with the Unabomber. That's Michael's one. So that'll be Richard's one. Richard's one. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, since it was a, such a good conversation came out of it, let's go with, oh, that's your, th let's see, the two would be then. <laughs> Just say it and I'll figure confusing. it out. Okay, cool. Um, uh, I like the man with no name and what we talked about with that one. That's uh, three points for Richard. Three points for Richard. Uh, I thought it was uh, really compelling to reveal that Stallone has a lot of real life people that he bases his characters on. So um, Rocky Balboa was based on based on Jerry Quarry. Yeah, yeah. So a real guy. So I like that pick of Three John Rambo. There. And let's go Stone Cold. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this has been. It's been great to be back. Getting a paycheck for doing what we love. That's right. State Fifteen whole cents. Fifteen we got whole this cents. Week. State podcast employees, uh, South Dakota State <laughs> <laughs> Podcasters Association. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I, as always, oh, next week on the Mount Rushmore podcast, we are going to be doing the Mount Rushmore of live albums. So I hope you'll tune in. To and that. we'll be doing it live. Totally live. And, and then recording overdubs and... Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, some echo sweetening, going in, taking out the lead singer's voice, putting in something else. Right. Yeah. Other than that, it's completely live. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, so join us for that. Uh, I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 